Welcome back everybody to Super Brits One Puck. I'm your host Mr Intangibles, a complicated man and a man who'll admit he's wrong, Dan Masters, with my good chum, the East Anglian Elliot Friedman, the leader of Hockey Human Resources and the president of the Leon Dreisaitl fan club, Will Everett. Will, how are you? Uh, absolutely buzzing, Dan. Absolutely buzzing. Off a relatively uneventful NHL week by, by all standards, but I think we've got a couple of things to pass out, haven't we? Absolutely. I think the good thing is, is that we're not we've mentioned this before, is that we're not sort of beholden to being in with the insiders who always seem to just discuss the same things over and over again. On this side of the pond, we kind of get drip-fed different sort of pieces of news and different things, so it's always interesting to go rooting around and see what we can find. But with that, I do have a question for you. Hit me with it. Okay. It's it's a bit of a longer setup, but for a very, for a very basic question in the end, but this is the best way I can kind of get to it. So... You are the GM of the Dallas Stars, and you are picking fifth in the draft. You're in desperate need for a centre, because Tyler Sagan was traded away after dancing in a club once. There are two centres within your grasp. The first is projected to go fifth overall in your spot. He's got 145 points in 60 games, and he's born and raised in Calgary. The next available centre is projected 15th overall. He scored 60 points in 60 games, but he's born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Does it matter if you're drafting for a team and playing for a team if you were born there? I I think you see that sort of sort of thing a lot later in the draft. A very sort of roundabout example. The the current owner of the Dallas Stars, Tom Gaglardi, is also the owner of the Kamloops Blazers. It's a, it's a okay. bit of a different sort of connection, but in the last two uh, last two drafts, the Stars have used their sixth and seventh round draft picks on players from the Kamloops Blazers. Oh, which, really? You know, not to say that those players aren't partic- aren't good or anything. You know, it's not like a complete pity pick or anything like that. But it is one of those ones where you think he's there's clearly a bit of an agenda there, sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. I think maybe for some teams, especially like your Sun Belt teams and stuff, I remember um, like Matt Nieto, when he was playing for, for San Jose, that was a big thing because he was a California kid playing yeah. for a California team. I want to say Emerson Eaton, when he was drafted by the Ducks, is also a California kid, but I might be making that up. For, for your specific example, Dan, no, I'd go with the 145-point centre every day of the week. No, even even if that 60-point centre was my own son, I would take the 145-point <laughs> centre. Dude, I'd be, less inclined to, I'd be less inclined to take him if it was my son, just because of the pressure. Like, no yeah. way is my son playing for me. Fuck that. No You'd know how much of a, a shit he already is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see... I'm trying to think. There must be examples. There must be examples. The only um, things I was thinking of was because obviously you see in trades, don't you? Well, see, when Jake Muzzin got traded to Toronto, it was just, oh my God, he grew up supporting Toronto. He knows what it means. Same with Charlie Coyle. Oh, look at Charlie Coyle. He's a Boston boy. He's going back to his home team. And I was just thinking, does that matter really? Would you play harder if you were drafted or traded to a team? But obviously your team where you're born that you grew up supporting. Would you... Would you put more effort in? Does it give you that extra, say, five percent or ten percent? I don't know. I just something just struck me this week. I think I think it's hard to really know as a as a fan sort of thing because I, I think yeah, if I was playing for in some very very twisted future, if I was playing for the Stars rather than say the Red Wings or whatever, 
or I'd not necessarily have more passion, but I'd, I'd you know, you'd have that emotional connection to that club if you grew up supporting them as a child, sort of thing. But you know, athletes are weird beasts, and I do actually kind of believe them when they say, yeah, once you get to that level, once you're an elite athlete, you do you do sort of drop all. Not all connection to your childhood team, but there's there's absolutely a disconnect because it becomes part of work and stuff like that. But then is that the question then? Is that when you're Kevin Shattenkirk playing for the Caps, is part of your brain thinking, well, this is just, you know, this is just my job. Obviously, obviously he doesn't just think of it like a guy who's working down a mine or something, but he then goes to the Rangers. Is he then thinking, holy shit, I'm now playing for the Rangers. Like, oh my God, now I've got to really make the effort. Now I've got to really put a shift in. I don't know. I think it's a perception thing. Like how how your perception changes on so many different aspects of life when you've changed what you're doing sort of thing. Once you've gotten into the NHL, your perception of NHL teams and the NHL itself is going to be different because you're a part of it. Yeah, that's true. So it's not going to necessarily have that wow factor like you compare say like a rookie playing in his first ever game you know he's playing away at Ottawa on a bloody Tuesday night there's four people there he's still going to be buzzing his absolute tits off like I'm in the NHL his dream come true whereas you got an eight year veteran you know Saturday night hockey night in Canada playing at the Bell Centre and he's still just thinking yeah, that's another game. We just got to get two points, sort of thing. You know, like you know what I mean. Like the situation is different, so your your perception is completely different. That's true. I guess it's along the lines of you if you've, I don't know, if you if you all your life you wanted to be a bricklayer or something, but you end up working an office. You end up working an office job <laughs> straight out of university. But then out the window at the sweaty geezers laying bricks, thinking, oh, if yeah. Only. If only I was outside in the cold and the rain laying bricks. But then when you get to do it, then you think, oh my God, now, you know, um, I've enjoyed my office time, but now I get to really do what I want to do. I don't know. I just wonder because when you, like we said before, when, when you support a team, and we've admitted before that we're, we're crazy people and that's, you know, sports is crazy. Does it just give you that extra bit of drive? I just can't, I just can't imagine it wouldn't. I just, in my brain, I'm just thinking, yeah, you, you must... Not try harder because you don't try, but you must try harder for a team that you love or the team that you grew up supporting. I, I think there, I can't get, there I can't has to be an though. element that there's got to be a bit that kicks back in, hasn't there? That, you know, it's like, got to be. Like for, for you, Kevin Shattenkirk, it's where he pulls on that, that blue shirt. It's like, oh, I'm a ranger. Oh. Yeah, like you, go in, like you say, you go into the games with, you know, you think about going to the games with your dad and the memories that you have and you see, oh, I remember this goal and oh, I remember when this guy did this thing and oh, I was I was there for it. It was amazing. And now I'm on the same ice. It must, it, yeah, it must do. It must kick in. I reckon it must do at least for like the first few games, but then like anything, the shot Actually, yeah. off and it just becomes <laughs> normalised. That's a good point. Yeah. Now, now Shan Kirk hates the Rangers. That's a fucking hell. <laughs> I hate as, as soon so as he got scratched, he's like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fuck this team. Yeah, everything's not sunshine and rainbows. It's still just no. I remember that time I was at the Rangers and I got scratched. <laughs> I hate this team so much. <laughs> I wonder if it goes the other way like that. If playing for yeah, they say don't meet your heroes, don't play for your heroes. As soon as you actually play for a yeah, it's like um, yeah, don't mix work and pleasure and all that sort of thing. As soon as actually, playing for yeah, the Rangers becomes point. this job, it could just kill any fandom. I guess if I guess on, on the other side, the other side of that as well is is that 
if you're on the draft, you might want to say to a you might want to say to a, say a guy from Calgary, mate, don't go to the Flames, because you will feel so much pressure. You must feel so much more pressure playing for your hometown team. Like if you're a kid from Calgary, fucking hell, just go go to San Jose, go as far away as you can, just get away from there, and then come back. You know when you've when you've kind of bedded in a bit. So I guess you're right. Yeah, you just from a player's point of view, not even thinking about it from a somebody drafting, but from a player's point of view, I imagine the pressure to do well would just would just be incredible. I get Ryan Donato being a case in point. He's just he's now gone to the Wild and he's a he's a he's a point per game player over like his first twenty games or something. He finally uh, finally had that pressure removed and it's uh, it's worked out for him. Or yeah, I, exactly. In, in the adverse. Johnny Duran at the Can- at the Canadians this, this oh, past yeah, of week. Course. So you uh, you're the hometown boy, so there's a bit more of a microscope on you. Okay then, there we go. Good stuff. Should we get on with the show then? Uh, yeah, I reckon so. It's that time of the week. It's the smooth recap. After 300 wins, and clearly a fan of mid-90s sitcoms, the Tampa Bay Lightning secure their head coach to a new deal. The Bolts are going to be hanging with Mr. Cooper for a while yet. In the most emphatic murder of irony ever witnessed, Matthew Kachuk has been awarded the J.R. McCaig Award by the Calgary Flames. This award is given to the player who most exemplifies virtues of respect, courtesy and compassion. Fizzing Fjord families feast for the first Finnish finishes as four Finland folks find 30 goals for the first time in hockey history. Thanks, Finns. The Oilers are going another season with less than 42 wins. The club has now won more than half their games in the season just once in the last 30 years. After last week's success, more nature news now. After watching the Blue Planet documentary, I couldn't help but notice similarities. After only 261 seconds, Panthers goalie Sam Mantembo does his best impression of a seal that's just noticed a polar bear behind it and he flees off the ice in a hurry, never to be seen again. Mark Stone was this week branded too old for a long-term contract extension. This damning take came from renowned hockey mind Eugene Melnick. There is a storm coming. Another thing that's coming is Andrei Svechnikov. He's coming all over history, as he's the first 18-year-old in Hurricanes history to score an overtime goal. If Jack Hughes makes the NHL in his first season, he would be the first player to do so from the USHL since the 1940s. The last player to do so, a little-known player by the name of Gordy Howe. Bleep bloop, our secret master John Tavares has represented the robot people in an advanced manner by using his stick apparatus to propel the vulcanized rubber disc into the netted area. He is a hockey participant who has done this the most times since he changed his outward clothing to that of the Maple Leafs of Toronto, Canada. 
Patrick Laine has scored 30 goals in each of his first three seasons in the NHL, all before his 21st birthday. 25% of his goals have come against two teams. Dallas and St. Louis really need to sort it the fuck out. And that was the smooth recap. Okay, there we go. Smooth as ever. I like it. Smooth as ever. One of yours caught... What was your second one then? That was something that got me. Was... Oh, what was it? Is it about the Oilers? Yeah. Th- yes. 30 years they've played a true 500 season just once. And that was uh, 2016-17. That is unbelievable. They are clearly paying for their for their successes of, of the past. Yes, yeah, so Because I'm sure... You know, you know when you're a fan and you start win, your your team wins and you just think, oh, I don't care if this finishes tomorrow. This is the best time I've ever had. I'm sure there was a game that an Oilers fan was at in 1989. It had been 89-90. Yeah, and he just said, oh. do you know what? We've been so successful. We've had Gretzky. We've had all these unbelievable players. We were literally the centre of the hockey world. I don't care if we never won another cup ever. <laughs> and now he's just like, shit, and shit. here we are. Yeah, and here we are. That's unbelievable. That's crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely loopy. I just want to double check. I mean, I haven't fact-checked any of these facts. Yeah, 89-90. The Oilers may have won the cup, but they only won 38 games. What? In the in the regular season, that is. Oh, well, of course. Not playoffs included. Absolutely mad. That was 38 out of 80, which is still less than, less than half for those counting at home. Um, and they still managed to come... Yeah, he came second in the Smythe division and second in the in the Western Conference entirely. Crazy. That is just loopy, isn't it? All right, ridiculous. So, for you, who's winning the cup this week? Who is winning the cup? I should probably remind myself of, of the decision I made. Oh, of course. Um, only one player who could possibly win the cup this, this week, Dan. Uh, it's Evgeny Kuznetsov and in the way that he handled the uh, the battering the verbal abuse he received at the hands of Don Cherry, oh, the, the way that Kuzi handled the the comments where um where Cherry called him a big jerk for doing his famed eagle celebration, Kuzi if essentially told Cherry to go fuck himself, which is fantastic. <laughs> he he did it in you know, as close as you could expect a non-English speaker to do so on national television, and I thought power to you, Kuzi. For both your uh, your grasp of the English language and uh, your ability to bat away grouchy old sods, I do feel that there's not enough. As we talked about the other week with our course language discussions, I do feel that somebody is within their rights if a guy who's oh, what's Don Cherry now, 153 or however old he is, for, for Kuzi to just go, why doesn't he just fuck off? Why don't you just shut up and fuck off? It's my celebration. I score a goal. I can do whatever the fuck I want. So why don't you just fuck off? Just somebody. Maybe not about him. It could be anything. As we'll get on to, you know, Jude Doughty and, and Matthew Kachuk. Just just say, you know what? I fucking hate that guy. I really hate him. Don't be saying things like, oh, I don't respect him. Or this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Just just tell him. Just, just say it. Just say what you want to say. Why don't you just, just fuck off? Just start dropping a couple of F-bombs here or there. It'd just make everything a bit more exciting, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. I feel you're more than you're right. Because somebody, essentially, unprovoked, 
Koozie's just been attacked there for no reason. How long has he been doing this bird celebration for? A dog's age. And all of a sudden, Don Cherry's just like, what a jack, jack, jack. And just think, you know what? Just fuck off. Leave me alone. Haven't you got better things to do, you dirty old bastard? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you who's winning the cup this week. It's a group of people, Will. A group of people who are underappreciated and who I will frequently side with. It's goalies. Goalies are winning the cup this week. Because nah, not not interested. No, you're not having it. Nah. nah Devin, no, did you it. see did you, <laughs> did you see what Devin Dubnik did the other night? Against uh, the Preds? No, I didn't. Did he did he do some good goalie? Oh he did some very smart goaling. So a Preds player crashed into the Wilds net. The net came off uh, the net came off its posting, its stanchion thing. Mm. So the Wild take the puck and start skating down the ice towards the Preds goal. So Dubnik just skates off to get on an extra attacker. And Alexander Georgiev did this the other week. Because obviously the rule is, if if the net comes off its post and you then go on the the offensive, that's fine. But once the play is done and the other team starts to come back, the play is blown dead. That's so so clever. Isn't that a really smart move? It's it's effectively a delayed penalty. Yes. Without the penalty. Without the penalty. And it happened a few weeks ago when the Bruins played the Sharks. So it was that. It was that. I think it was, it was the, probably the best game in the season. I've seen, or one of the best games. It was a six-five game, and it was. I think I'm pretty sure it was an OT. The post, uh, the the goal came off the Bruins' net. I mean, you wouldn't even notice, but Rask just kind of hit his skate onto it, and it just dislodged a tiny bit in one court. You could, you could barely tell, but it did come off its stanchion. Bruins break down the ice. Shot gets blocked. Shots come back the other way on a on a a huge two-on-one, and Rask just. Skates out and goes, look. So the ref goes, oh yeah, whistle, dead. And the Sharks obviously were f- like furious because it was a clear breakaway. Probably a chance they would have scored, but smart play again. Goalies are winning the cup. Goalies, are th- you've got to be so much more than just a shot stopper now, Will. You've got to think That's of everything. Genius. Ever since um, oh, Nuts, whatever the guy, that uh, that American goalie represented. Uh, oh, yeah. P- push, the, push the net over on a two Just flipped it, yeah. Right. I always love that. It's just a genius little bit of goal, to, goal tending. Told you, dude. Goal is underappreciated. I'm part of the goalie union, so they're my brothers. Clearly, and further further evidence by the fact that I didn't even know that Devin Dubik had done that this week. So, well, good find. Who's getting relegated? I mean, I've not really made the decision on who to who to relegate this uh, this week. The person who's being relegated made that themselves by uh, making a fool out of themselves this week. I'm going to relegate Drew Doughty. He's in <laughs> over his head. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll discuss this in a bit. That's a, uh, that's a that's a fair that's a fair relegation candidate for sure. I'd, I'd, I I'd like after, to think so. I think I'll, we'll, we'll further explain it later, but yeah, he definitely, um, yeah, he's done. <laughs> he's done. Good job he's not got a long contract. Of, oh, never mind. Mm. Okay. Oh. <laughs> that's well, I'm going to... I'm actually going to relegate a, a proper team this week. I'm going to relegate in what might be the quickest turnaround ever for winning the cup to get them relegated. I'm going to relegate the San Jose Sharks, who, after I had them winning the cup two weeks ago when they had the sneakily second-best record in hockey, since that time they've gone on a six-game losing streak, with four of those losses coming to Florida, Anaheim, the Kings, and the Wings, which is that's, not playoff hockey, awkward. in my opinion. Bloody Danny Curse over there. <laughs> well, I've probably at some point this year I'll have cursed everybody because I'm sure I'm nearly at the end of every single team winning the cup, in my opinion. 
little man. They are on a huge downturn. I some I read about the sharks and it, it came up obviously on Twitter. Oh, sharks lose six straight, and I thought, Jesus Christ, they must have played. Yeah, you know, they must have had a hard schedule or something because they, they were the second best team a few weeks ago. No, nope, playing some really bad teams and losing. And losing to the Panthers as well. After the Panthers concede, what, 14 goals in two games to the Bruins and the Leafs? Just Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit awkward. That's not a good way of um, establishing yourself as a particularly dominant force in the NHL. No, and if, like I said, the other week, teams do not want to play Vegas and they're pretty much locked in now that they're going to play Vegas because I'm sure... I think they're now six points behind Calgary with sort of seven games left, six games left. So they've uh, they've got a game in hand though, so that's basically meaningless. Yeah, <laughs> so it'll be seven losses in a row, <laughs> and uh, and they're only twenty six goals behind in goal difference, so they can they can definitely make that up. Exactly. Yeah, the Sharks do not want to play Vegas. Could be trouble. Could yeah, be trouble. That's going to be a good first round map. Really good first round matchup. Or it'll be really quick, like Vegas Kings was last year, and we thought it was going to go seven, and then they just won four now. And we're like, oh, is this team any good then? Maybe they're maybe they're all right. It's just the start of uh, of the second year of Vegas dominating all the way through the playoffs. Yeah, it's the second Cinderella. It's Cinderella two. This time it's personal or something. This time it's Cinderella. <laughs> Cinderella. Anyway, all right. How many starters you got? I've got. Four. Four starters and one scratch. I know, check me out. All right then. I know, Mr. Starter again. Okay then. Starting first name on the team on the team sheet this week, Dan. Leon Drysdale. <laughs> How did I know? Uh, I did see a stat today that I thought, ah oh, shit, Will's gonna be all up my ass about this. It might be the stat that I'm about to uh, to spout <laughs> off to you. <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> Funnily enough, harking back to the 1989-90 season again, our boy Leon is one oh, point yeah. away from hitting uh, 100 points. Science that he's on 99 <laughs> points at the moment. No way. I had no idea. No, I, 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 it's funny that. It's, I like to drop a bit of knowledge on you. If yeah, yeah. lucky Leon, the lovely Lionheart, uh, is going to hit this 100 points, he would, combine with his pal Connor, we're probably going to end up with two players scoring 100 points on a, on a team that uh, doesn't make the playoffs, that team being the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and that hasn't happened since 1989-90. It's going to be going to be historic. So I'm going to start Leon because he's doing his best. Doing his bloody best. All I'm saying is... right. I don't want to hear it, mate. <laughs> no, all I'm saying is, if that was Mitch Marner, he'd have 200 points on his own playing with Connor. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and then... <laughs> So, so he'd do that record just on his own. Yeah, is, is that how it works? Well, no, because if Connor was playing with Marner, Connor would have three hundred points. Okay, so that's how that works. But then, what if Connor was playing with a three hundred point Marner? Let's not start this again, shall we? I'm, I'm confused now. I don't get it. We've look. We've done well. We've avoided Reeves Wilson since that whole thing. Let's not get on again with Drysdale Marner stroke. Jeff Skinner, who suddenly got pushed out like the unwanted third child. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a big argument about Jeff Skinner, we started shouting out Lamana. Um, just to round that off, the the team in eighty nine ninety, of course, was the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the players obviously were Mario Lemieux with one hundred twenty three points and Paul Coffey with one hundred three points, which could eerily be mirrored this year. Yeah, a few games left. Connor's on 112, could easily get another 11. And uh, and Leon on uh, on 99, could easily get another three. And they're not going to make the playoffs. 
It's insane. Absolutely loopy. Absolutely loopy. <laughs> My first starter this week is another man. I am starting Alex Honnold. Now, I don't know if you know that name or not, Will. Never heard of him. No. So Alex Honnold, and if none of you know this man, check him out. He is a free soloist, which means that he climbs uh, mountains yeah. and rocks with no ropes. And when I say he climbs him, I mean he climbs sort of 90 degrees to around 85 degrees straight up. He's the first man in history to climb El Capitan with no ropes, no help, nobody even watching over him, which is the largest rock face in um, Yosemite Park in America. I think it's something like 4,600 feet or something, straight up rock. And he climbed it on his own with no ropes. It's Nothing, uh, nothing major then. No, nothing major. He has a documentary out called Free Solo, which is about his journey. And I love this guy. I love his mantra. I love his lifestyle, his his life ethic, the way his brain works. He just lives out of a van. He's got a van with a bed in it and a, a small little camping stove. And he just says, all I want to do is climb rocks. Why do I need a house? He's He's as happy as can be. In the film, he meets a girl while he's doing this and we sort of meet her and we get to talk to her and they have a conversation and she says considering now that you're with me you i i now have something to lose out of this relationship if if you're free soloing and, and you slip obviously and die which he would you know I, I would be devastated would you ever consider not free soloing ever again you know for me <laughs> he just i swear to god it's the quickest just he just goes no that's that's not happening <laughs> Like, I love this guy so much. I love this guy so much. He just does not care about this woman's wishes in any way at all. He's just like, no, I'm, I'm not giving up rock climbing for any woman. This is what I want to do. And if she wants to be with me, then that's it. That's fine. What that, a guy. That's an unfair position man. for her to put him in, though. And it like, here's, you know, you know, that thing that you've dedicated your entire life to. It's like, you know, what gives you meaning and purpose? And, you know, you're absolutely in love with it. Can you stop doing it, please? Well, like, uh, like I get for the for the safety. She doesn't safety mind him rock. She doesn't mind him rock climbing. She's like, yeah, climb as many rocks as mountains as you want. That's fine. But please, just at least have a rope. Please, just wear a rope. So if I'm, you slip, you're not gonna die. It's not reasons like request. Nah, not happening. <laughs> I feel it's like if somebody says, you know, he love you know he love riding a motorbike. Yeah, could you wear a helmet now and again? No, that's not happening. Love, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, that's fucking great. That's his brand, though, isn't it? And this is brand. Now, this is brand. It's like somebody uh, embarking on a relationship with Flavor Flav <laughs> and what? saying, Flav, I love you so much. I love who you are as a person. Yeah, you mean the world to me. Could you just wear like a wristwatch? <laughs> have, you, have you thought about it? Of course he's going to say no because this whole thing is the clock on a chain. Who's your... Next, you do your next two then. Next, I'm going to chuck Vinny Trocek out there uh, for his incredible sprawling save to um, to to stop an empty net goal going in. You say that um, the goaltenders aren't getting enough credit, and it's because of yeah. I blame Vinny Trocek for that basically, making him look like mugs. He's not even got half the protective gear, and he's still making spectacular saves. Big up Vinny Trocek. Next, I'm going to start. Yeah, you you're a man who likes to admit it when you're wrong. Dan, um, I, I believe in second chances. I'm going to start Pierre Dorian because uh, since the Ooh. trade deadline, since the trade deadline, I don't know. Have you heard this? The players famously traded out 
from the uh, from the centre. So you've got Mark Stone, back to Shane and Ryan Zingle have combined for twenty five points. Pretty good. That's pretty good. But the players brought in who have suited up for the uh, for the centres have combined for twenty six points. Therefore, there Theodorion is the uh, the GM to end all GMs. Melnick wins again. God damn it, Eugene. I'm going to start motorbike fighting. Now, <laughs> that may seem like a wild statement, but I was browsing the BBC News website the other day and I happened to come across the Costa Rican Motorbike Championships. As you do. It's, you know, it's what we all gravitate big, towards when we're, not, when we're not watching hockey. Big event. You got the World Cup, then the Costa Rican MotoGP. That's true. Uh, Marian Calvo and Jorge Martinez were driving along side by side. They bumped. Martinez ends up on the back of Calvo's bike while it's still going. Calvo then does an amazing comedic double take of, oh my God, there's a man hanging off the back of my bike. He just just pulls over to the side, stops. Martinez gets off the back of Calvo's bike and just punches him, knocking him down off the bike. He then walks away across the track while the bikes are coming past him. Calvo gets up, chases him down and hits him in the back. And then they kind of brawl a bit and then separate. It was amazing. It's one of the sports clips of the year. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. We need a bit more of that sort of grit and toughness in the NHL, I think. <laughs> or maybe we just need more motorbikes. Maybe we need more motorbikes. It was fabulous, though. If you've seen people, if you've not seen this clip, go and watch it. It's amazing. Go on then, watch your last one. Uh, just before I grace you with, oh, my, um, sorry, yes. with my last start, I just want to throw out a little stat that I've just discovered. Um oh. About a little-known player, Nikita Kucherov. Have you, uh, have you, have you heard of him? I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Looking at the uh, at the the stats for uh, for the NHL, out of the top ten point scorers in the league this year, Nikita Kucherov has the second fewest shifts per game, with twenty one point seven shifts per game. The only player below him is Braden Point, with twenty one point three, and the player just above him. Steven Stamkos with 21.9. That is just ridiculous. And then nobody else in the top 10 apart from those three has uh, has less than 23.5 shifts per game. Just loopy. Absolutely crazy. There you go. My brain just exploded. Yeah, sorry, go on. Oh, it's just too much, isn't it? And he hasn't won a single face-off all year. Absolute absolute joke. (laughs) (laughs) My, My last starter... Uh, is is very much a credit where credit's due thing this uh, this week. I'm going to start Eugene. Eugene Melnick is going to get a start for his comments on the Toronto Maple Leafs D. Uh, I'm just grabbing the old quote here. Where have oh, you we, we gone? Ha- we have it later on. We can we can oh, save it till later on if you absolutely want. Fine. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to ruin a lovely point. So I'm going to start Eugene and his beautiful comments on the Toronto the state of the Toronto defense. Big up to your boy Eugene. A great week for the Sens all around, we feel then. Oh, mate, fantastic. Things are looking up for the Sens. They're doing God's work. You have one scratch then, yes? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've yeah. got two. Shall I, I, shall, I shall start. I'm going to scratch high-sticking calls that are completely wrong. I thought, I thought As... you were just going to scratch high-sticking full stop. No, yeah. no. Let them, this is... Let them whack each other in the noggin. <laughs> yeah. This is something I'm starting to notice more and more. This one in particular was com- was 
very egregious is that Robert Hag of the Flyers gets a four minute penalty for high sticking Anders Lee. Except Hag's stick never leaves the ice, and it's Brock Nelson who smashes oh. Lee in the mush with his stick. And Hag just turns around and looks at the ref like, what's happening? What's going on? I have no idea what's going on right now. And as we mentioned video refs the other week, it's all fun and games when it's the Flyers who are pretty much out of it. Islanders are in the playoffs. It's fine. Does this game really matter? Nah, not really. Four-minute penalty? Nah, who gives a shit? This is going to get looked at. If this happens in the playoffs, it's a four-minute penalty. And say the Islanders score twice on that four-minute penalty, something has to be something has to be done. Because you can't... And this happened This happened in Bruins Lightning last year. Is that Pasternak lifted up... I can't remember who it was. Pasternak lifted up someone's stick. And then that player essentially sticked himself near the face. And Pasternak went off for a penalty. I remember that one clearly because it was the Bruins, obviously. But it happens all the time. And if they're going to look at things... this, I feel like this is something they have to look at. Am I crazy? No? What do you think? With that Pasternak example, say someone does lift an opponent's stick and that stick hits himself or, or anyone else in the face, should that kind of not count as a high-sticking penalty anyway? David Pasternak lifts whoever's stick and that stick hits that person in the face. Should David Pasternak not take two minutes? Because he's, by proxy, committed a high-sticking foul. <laughs> no! Are you mad? I don't, I don't know. Like you, you know, if you're lifting someone's stick that high, that's dangerous play, isn't it? No. If you if you jar someone's stick, if they're not expecting to be stick lifted, and you jar their stick up, say you go from their shin to the middle of their thigh, but their stick goes up to their face. It's not your fault. <laughs> like it's a stick lift. And if that's I the case, I... and if players know that, they're just going to start stick lifting. They're just going to start lifting their own sticks into their face and getting other players penalised. <laughs> that's what I want to see. Ah, rampant cheating, proper like um, uh, like method acting, but for for diving. <laughs> method sticking. Like one one <laughs> tiny little tap on the bottom of some guy's stick, he's throwing it in his own face, like raking it down until he bleeds. Like, that's a four minute ref. And just to clarify as well, the lightning play did not do it on purpose. It was a, a definite, a genuine, holy shit, the stick's been lifted, like it's right by my face. And obviously, if a stick comes up towards your face, even if you're holding it, you're going to recoil because obviously you don't want to get mushed in the face, do you? But... I, I was thinking of more of a follow-through than just up to the bloody thigh. Like, yeah, no, if, of course. Yeah, but that's not what passed like. No, that's not what he did, though. He just It was just a, gen, a genuine general stick lift. Nothing crazy about it. Just a bump, flick like that, and bang. But he did it kind of... Either the Blackning player wasn't aware of it, or he wasn't, you know, wasn't expecting it, or Pasternak put some extra umph on it or something, I don't know. But the stick went right up worse. into the lightning place. Yeah, maybe. But the stick went up and the sort of the lightning player recoiled. But this you know, this flyers one was ridiculous. That's insane. Because like... when you watched it now, don't get me wrong, in quick time, yeah, it looked like Robert Hag had just fucking walloped Anders Lee in his rock style chin. But when you looked at it on the replay, it was completely obvious that he'd not done anything. Completely obvious. But then he sat in the box for four minutes. And so this, then, is the, this, is one of those, this is one of those things where the NHL is not going to do anything about it until they should have done something about it. Mm. Where Brock Nelson has high-sticked his own mate in the face. Should that be a penalty against the Islanders? <laughs> high-sticking to high-sticking. 
Talking about method sticking, maybe players are going to start doing this. Every time there's a mush in the corner, just hit me in the face, dude. Just hit me in the face with your stick. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take one for the team. <laughs> Hell yeah, of course you would. Maybe it'll be in a clause, like like danger money or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just... If it decides a series, it's going to have to be something that decides a series because you oh, can yeah. say, well, there's too much going on. There's too many things, but dude, if it's third period, game seven, tie game, and then you take a four-minute high-sticking penalty, and the other team scores twice. Dude, I'd be livid. Livid. Yeah, I mean, the um, the Maple Leafs were victim to a uh, an issue with a high-sticking call or non-call back in the nineties, and they still didn't fix it. So I feel, uh, I feel that like ship has sailed for any hope <laughs> yeah, of mate. fixing. That is a fantastic point. That's a fantastic it, point. You're absolutely right. If Dougie Gilmore taking a stick to the face isn't going to um, isn't going to fix the rule, then uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to do it. But in this age of video refs now, like I was saying the other week, there should be a dedicated team at every arena. How much is it going to cost, really, to have three guys sat in a booth? Three guys who work for the NHL, but you just say, right, you three, you're now stationed in Calgary for the next 10 years. These three guys, you're now stationed in (laughs) Anaheim for the next however many years. There's just a dedicated team in every arena, and they just review the game in real time. And if the ref's not sure, he can just say to them. What can you just check this out for me? And they'll go, uh, yeah. Oh no, no, another guy did it. It's fine. Just don't, you know, don't call like he can come out. And that's all so it takes. That's all it takes. If you were an HL commissioner, you'd treat it like a, a bloody work camp, <laughs> sentencing people to <laughs> ten years high sticking watch in Calgary. <laughs> ten years hard labour, high sticking watching. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Obviously not yeah, ten I... years, but you know, you have a te- you have a dedicated team of three people in each arena just watching the game. 20 years shot tracking in Winnipeg. Like, come on. That's just... But you can't do it there because there's no internet, so you'd have to... That's, that's, even, that's why it's even more of a punishment. You have to do it by bloody pencil. <laughs> you, have to have a, you have to employ someone else to run the notes down to the ref. Not a penalty. Okay, it's not a pen, guys. <laughs> okay, what the hell? Uh, what's your scratch? Uh, my scratch is... I'm still gobsmacked even thinking about it now. It's why I've only got one this week. I was I was thinking about putting some other stuff on, but I just I can't take away from the horror that this event has, has inflicted upon me and the rest of the world. I'm going to scratch a Reddit user who goes by the name of Valley Goat. Please um, ply them with hate mail as they uh, as they deserve it for uh, creating. A video which is a compilation of the Kachuk brothers chewing their mouth guards. God, why? I, some sort of psychopathic tendency. I would, I would imagine. The video is only twenty seconds long, but that's still twenty seconds too much for a video of that of that graphic nature. Valley goat, you should be ashamed of yourself, and I will be telephoning your mother. <laughs> Valley Goat, if you ever hear this, get in touch. I want to know why you've done that. I'm genuinely intrigued. It's like my fascination with serial killers. I'd love to just talk to Ted Bundy and say, Ted, why? What the hell's going on, man? What's, what's your problem? Valley Goat, come on, dude. Mouth guards? Like, what's, what's, what's the big deal, dude? What's happening? We just want to get you some help. That's all it is. Yeah. yeah. We're here for you. Who are oh, you scratching, Dan? And- my last scratch is Rob Carlin, who works for the Caps. In a, okay. in a number of ways. He works, I think he does their radio, he does their, some of their TV affiliates. But he sent out a tweet this week about Tom Wilson. And it, the tweet says, somebody somebody had said, oh, you know, it's clear that Tom Wilson's changed his game a bit. He's playing a lot better now and, and blah, blah, blah. 
And this is what Rob Collin wrote. That's because Wilson is and always has been a smart hockey player. He studies the game, he wants to be great. He earned his reputation as a player on the edge. But people outside of Caps Nation who don't watch him every night just keep up the easy narrative. Rob, if you ever hear this, I get that you have to talk about the Caps in a positive way because they put food on the table. But the easy narrative with Tom Wilson is there because it's true. He was a player who was very dangerous and didn't give a shit about his fellow professionals. That's not me saying that. That's his, what, five, six run-ins with the Department of Player Safety over the course of about 18 months? That's that's not an easy narrative. That's, that's, that's the truth. If you can't see that, I don't know what to tell you. If he'd have stopped with, that's because Wilson's always been a smart hockey player, he studies the game, he wants to be great, but he has earned his reputation as a player on the edge, that's fine. Stop there. But don't say people who don't watch him every night just keep up an easy narrative because that's the truth. It's not an easy narrative, Rob. So you are scratched this week. That's that's what Tom Wilson really is, is a victim of of storytelling within the league. <laughs> that's true. He's he's not a dirty player, Will. He's just the victim of telltales and lies. It's all it's all an illusion and mirage drummed up by the mainstream media. God almighty. Alright then. Let's move on to some segments, shall we? I, don't, I suppose so. We've, we've cracked out a long old time on the sort of predetermined topics, which is which is good. Which is good. So the first thing this week, the Clarkson Cup. As we discussed last week, we talked about the Minnesota Whitecaps winning the Isabel Cup and the other side of women's hockey, the Clarkson Cup. The Calgary Inferno defeating Le Canadiennes de Montreal 5-2. Zoe Hicker with two goals, Brianna Decker, Haley Krizniak and Rebecca Johnston with the other goals for the Inferno. And Anne-Sophie Batay scored both Montreal goals in reply. This is, I, I put in last week into the show the, the clip, obviously, of the, the winning goal for the Minnesota Whitecaps. So I thought, oh, cool. I'll go on uh, to YouTube, obviously get it off there, and I'll, I'll just put it in. Because I think it's good to have, you know, when somebody wins a cup, it's good to have that emotion and the commentators going crazy and all that kind of thing. I could not find, aside from somebody who recorded it off their computer on their phone, so they obviously they held up their phone to the computer, it wasn't on YouTube. And I thought, if you're if you're running the league don't, like why don't you just put the whole game like once the game's finished just put up the whole game for free on youtube just just stick it on there why not and we talked about last week the isabel cup was on twitter for free and you could watch it live and we said that was such a good idea now maybe there's some thing in with canadian tv or something like that i don't know but as we mentioned you want to grow the game sometimes you've got to forego that kind of thing you just give it to the masses as quick and easy way as possible and i was just i was surprised it wasn't on there but well done to the calgary inferno I think because it was on Sportsnet, wasn't it? So I think it must have was something it? to do with uh, that, hadn't it? But then once the game's finished, surely you could just... <laughs> if you want to watch... Here's the thing. If you want to watch, if you want to watch that game, you're going to watch that game. You're not going to think, well, I won't watch it. I'll save it for another day off my t- off my DVR or you know my TV recording device or whatever. So like, even give it a day's grace or something, like the NHL app over here, which is terrible... Just give it like a day's grace if it's Black Tower or something. And the day after, just stick it on YouTube and then people can watch it for free if they want. It might catch their eye or... I don't know. It just surprised me. T- yeah, it's it's a shame because like, it, would, it would be good to have access to that sort of thing. Clearly, uh, clearly Sportsnet want to keep hold of it for some reason. 
I couldn't stand it if it was the Leafs team that won it, but it was the Calgary team, so <laughs> maybe they're like, we're never going to show this. It's a team from Calgary. Screw those guys. I don't know. Canada's going to Canada, isn't it? Canada is going to Canada. That's true. Okay, yeah, let's no. go with this next. Come on, we got we got some fun things to talk about. Let's 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 get into it. Yeah, my my topic on the run sheet for my next thing was Jude Doughty is a salty bastard, but I love it. <laughs> I think I think that sums it up perfectly, really. Matthew Kachuk clearly has bought all the space for Ren in Jude Doughty's head, and he's just <laughs> he just pops in whenever he feels like it, doesn't he? Missed the game of lack, and Dowdy gives Kachuk a slash, and they exchange pleasantries. Didn't see much of this between them tonight, but first bit of on ice animosity between Matthew Kachuk and Drew Dowdy. But he's, he's hanging posters of himself in there, so that as as I said earlier, like it's over. Dowdy is Dowdy is lost. What is he doing? Taking those sort of comments to the media, I don't know what he thinks he's going to achieve. By saying he hates Jude, he hates um, Matthew Kachuk. He doesn't respect him and stuff. He's he's just lost, absolutely lost it. He's just admitted like I've, you know, I've been dominated mentally by by this this boy who's ten years my junior or whatever it is. Like he's absolutely in my kitchen and he can't. I can't get him out. Mugged himself right off. It's ridiculous. I love Drew Doughty because he is the kind of guy who, and when he was talking about, um, he was talking about his contract, wasn't he? And everyone seemed to lose their shit because he just said, "Well, I feel I should get paid this much. I feel I should make more money than PK Subban. I have won two cups for fuck's sake. Why shouldn't I get more money than that guy?" And everyone lost their mind because the hockey player was just speaking his mind. Sometimes it's okay to not speak your mind, <laughs> and I think this is one of those occasions where you just say. Because the, the the question was, do you think the rival with your rivalry with Matthew Kachuk's healthy? And he said, no, I'll never talk to him off the ice. I have no respect for him off the ice. I respect everybody, but not him. <laughs> when you combine that with the images of him like slashing and hacking at Kachuk's uh, shin pads <laughs> after Kachuk tried to hit him, it's just like he's just scared. He's he's absolutely wound all the way up, and like he's just gonna snap at a moment's notice. Drew Doughty is mentally unstable at this point, and it's all Matthew Kachuk's fault. It's incredible. To be fair, Matthew Kachuk did elbow him in the face, didn't he? In his first, like getting, <laughs> I mean, got him his first suspension, but elbowed him right in the in the fucking mush. I'm I'm not here to say whether it's warranted or unwarranted. I'm just telling the people the facts, Dan. What should he have said? So the reporter says to him, "Do you think rivalry is healthy?" I'm glad. I'm glad he said what he did because it's really interesting. But for for his own, he should have clammed up and had a standard hockey answer for like his for his own sense of well being. But I'm glad for the drama of it that he's just showing how how mentally fragile <laughs> this kid has made him. <laughs> and he said the league doesn't respect Kachuk either, doesn't he? he? Said like the, even the league doesn't respect him. Well, you can ask oh, loads of guys; they all hate him. That that's the one. If he just just left it as like, nah, I hate him. I think he's a prick. Like, yeah, that's that's fair enough. But it's like nobody likes you. Your mum doesn't like you. Like, you haven't got any friends. We all talk about you behind your back. Nobody thinks you're cool, Matthew. It's just, oh mate, I love it. I absolutely love it. You just don't give. That's the classic thing, isn't it? In the school playground, if a guy's been a dick, just walk away. Don't give him the satisfaction. 
Matthew Kachuk must have come off, must have read that and just thought, oh my god, I own you, motherfucker. I own you. I, I want to see Kachuk going for like the fake punch and have, uh, have Doughty just turtle and... <laughs> like wince, yeah. <laughs> like, turtle up. <laughs> Here's my it, issue though, right? It, it reeks a bit... Oh, go on. Sorry, it reeks a bit no, of like Matt Kachuk being, I don't know, like a, like a little kid who says to like a, a fully grown adult, I don't know, something really stupid like, ah, you smell, or whatever. Like, oh, you've got a stinky butt. And then Drew Doughty just turned around, I oh, don't smell! And then just Matt Kachuk's like, absolutely wetting himself. <laughs> yeah. Your girlfriend's ugly. Fuck you, no she's not. She's beautiful. I love her. You shut up. You're never going to get a girlfriend because everybody hates you. And you're ugly. <laughs> yeah, you're ugly. No, you are. You can understand it, like you say. If it was the same age and it's just been a long-standing rivalry, then fine. But yeah, Matthew Kachuk's like 10 years... Matthew Kachuk's not achieved 5% of what Drew Doughty has yet. <laughs> Drew Doughty's just gone crazy with it. Like, yeah, just ignore him, dude. Just ignore him. I don't think Go. we've seen a player like mentally dominate another player like Kachuk has done to Doughty for a very long time. Even even when like Brandon Dubinsky was at, his, at the height of his powers nullifying Sidney Crosby it was more of a not skill on skill thing but it was purely on ice it wasn't because Sid's above all that nonsense it wasn't like yeah, Dubinsky yeah. was in the press saying oh yeah Sid's nothing blah 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 I'm more of a Bobby Ryan fan myself and all that shit it was purely about hockey this is just oh it's just, again it's incredible absolutely incredible to watch here's my issue though right they then, they then asked you doubt me about Kachuk being like Marshand. So Doughty says, well, yeah, Marshawn bites people and he kisses people, but he knows me, so doesn't chirp me as much. <laughs> so that's okay then. Because he's not having to go at you, Drew, that's all right. But because Matthew Kachuk's having to go at you, you're going to throw your fucking toys out of the pram and kick and scream. Like, come on, dude. That's like such hypocrisy. It's fucking amazing. It was such a good day as well. All that coming on the back of him having to go about Brent Burns getting beaten, like... <laughs> yeah, I've got, the, I've got the quote here. Like, talking about the Norris conversation, he says, well, Mark Giordano has 72 points and he plays good defence. Burns gets beat three times a game, literally, and then him up for the Norris. I just don't get it. <laughs> what? Mate, it's like nobody's talking about Brent Burns. <laughs> oh, mate. It just... It, it paints such a beautiful picture of paranoid Drew Doughty. The world's out to get me. Every you know, but he he has nightmares where it's like he's in being John Malkovich, but it's being Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> and they're all Matthew Kachuk's wearing Brent Burns jerseys, <laughs> lifting up the Norris Trophy. <laughs> he's got a problem though because he can saying stuff like he does. It comes back as, you know, do you know what bulletin board material is? Have yeah, you heard yeah, that we, yeah. We like chuck it up <laughs> on the board and it, it puts a bit of fire in the room, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is what he did last year with Vegas, wasn't it? He makes that comment, I can guarantee you we're going to beat this team in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. And then the Golden Knights put it on the fucking ice at the pregame. So all the fans are like, like, fuck Kings, fuck the Kings, fuck Drew Doughty. Drew, you're you're making other people look good or look great or want to beat you more. I just think, dude, you, you keep giving people bulletin board material. Because I guarantee you, it's like next year, for some reason, the Kings get the Flames in the playoffs or something. Matthew, it's the playoffs. Matthew Chuck's going to fucking turn up to 11. And he's just going to do even more stuff to him. 
we're we're slowly watching True Doughty go insane. That's uh, that's what's happening. So true. It's, so true. It's the making of like a serial killer or something. He's he's gonna have a mental breakdown on the ice and just start bawling his eyes out. I I I, I don't know what it's gonna be. They're gonna like announce Matt, number nineteen, Matthew Kachuk, and he's just gonna start <laughs> losing it. In the press scrums, we've got to, we've got to keep checking for an eye twitch or something from Doughty. Just everyone keep an eye on him. If his eye starts twitching, you know it's near. It's gonna be it's gonna be like a Kings game, like Kings face off now. Jeff Carter wins a draw. Here we go. Oh, Drew Doughty's just sat down on the ice for some reason. Drew Doughty has sat down on the ice and he's refusing to get up. He's gone limp like a child when they don't get picked up. I don't know what's happening now. <laughs> he's yep, he's lost it. He's lost it. He's swinging just- his stick at the players. Taking one of his skates off and he's just like digging a little hole in the ice. <laughs> Unresponsive. And like, he's just it, building a little ice man in the corner. Matt Kachuk isn't the only sort of, for the better term, sort of cerebral assassin in the NHL. If I was a player of that ilk in the league, I'd be thinking, right, True Doughty is right for the taking. Doughty is exactly the kind of player that you want to nullify in that sort yes, of situation. Yes, exactly. He's he's basically broadcast to the rest of the league and the rest of the world. You can get in my kitchen. I can be. I'm at my most rattleable that I've ever been in my entire life. Come and come and shake me. Just crazy, isn't it? Any time, any well, yeah. We were saying, Matthew, like if the, if the Flames get the first, if the Kings make the playoffs next year and they're playing the Flames, dude, if the Kings are playing anybody now, they're just going to be at him the whole game, just at him the whole game, just trying to put him off his game. This has actually made me want to root for the Kings next year now, just to make the playoffs and see what happens to him. Yeah, I, mean, I hope they win the lottery, get Jack Hughes. He's awesome. He propels them to the playoffs and then they get the Flames <laughs> in the first round. And Andrew Doughty just loses it for him where he's lost it. Can't, can't <laughs> function as a hockey player. Not I'm particularly advocating for um, you know, the, the deterioration of, of another man's mental health, but for the sake of sport, I absolutely am. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, Drew Dowie. Fantastic. He is so salty. And it's great. It's just great. Did you catch any of the Ron Burgundy highlights, as he called the entire second period? I I meant to watch it. Did he call the entire second period? Yes. Mate. As I was just talking about with the Clarkson Cup, the NHL put on the entire second period on YouTube for free of Ron Burgundy calling that entire second period. Just put it on YouTube. You can just watch the whole... You can watch... It's like 34 minutes long or something. Now... I'm going to put, there's, there's a, a little edited three and a half, four minute version. I'm going to put that in at some point in a second. So if you want to skip, if, you, if you've already seen it, obviously you want to skip forward. Because I was looking for clips of sort of the funniest things. I was like, you know what? It's all great. I can't take any of it out. I'm just going to put the whole thing in. So it's like three and a half, four minutes. He was really good. He was really, really good. I apologize for being late. Uh... I thought the four, I thought you guys still played at the four. I spent it a half an hour at what I thought was a King's Day. Yeah. It was a Chardet concert. I used to do some with the uh, San Diego Gulls oh, you're in the good. IHL. Uh, of course, they were horrible. Um, most of the team didn't actually have skates. Passing over to who was that guy? That'd be Sean Walker. Sean Walker, one of my favorites. Oh, shot on goal, Walker. Kid out of Ontario, right? He's got to be out of Ontario. You know what he does in the offseason? 
He works with puppets. I myself feel a little bit nauseous, and I hope I don't throw up during the broadcast. That, that but if I do, yeah. I'm going to throw up right on Foxy. Jeff Carter. He is a statuesque man. Apparently, someone found a corn dog in Joe Thornton's beard during the intermission break. And cleared by the Kings. Take that, San Jose. Zero Stanley Cups. I have worn the same underwear, the same lucky underwear for every broadcast I've done. Really? Yes. It's, I had to keep it together with staples and duct tape and shredded. When it comes to announcing sports, I have zero journalistic integrity. Tomas Hurdle, the announcer's just said. All he had to do was listen to you. Okay. Yes, I already gave yes. the, that information. He's way behind. Now, he reminds me of a Swedish player, Swedish national player from the 60s, Emil Wohl, defenseman, who was actually neutered in a game against Ooh. Hungary in the Innsbruck Olympics. Ooh. Well, I used to date Diana Ross, and uh, she dumped me. Uh, this was a while ago, right? and I've never let go of it. Oh, no, break, trip him, trip, yes! Oh, my God. Yeah. No. That is delicious. The name, oh, right across, oh, something happened. Bailey brought me this ice cold cup of milk, and guess what? It's, there's vodka. I prefer warm room temperature to hot milk. To be quite honest, and I hope you take this the right way, you need to change your cologne. <laughs> For those of you at home, we've had to stop action on the ice several times. Feral cats have, have run onto the ice. Uh, why would the organization promote bringing stray cats into Stapleson? Now, when will the Kings start running an octagon formation? Icing! <laughs> San Jose iced it. <laughs> as you, as you, when you look around the arena, most people are wearing turtlenecks. It's come back so strong. This is one of the greatest nights of my life. I got to kiss a burrito on the kiss cam. It'd be something like this. Kopitar with a puck. He dribbles, he skates up the ice. Like, Shot on goal! He scores! Put that baby to bed without a diaper. It's making me go back on what I said. The other week about about celebrity cameos, sort of yeah. Thing. If, you, if you're gonna do it, do it properly, right? But the Kings do the Kings do a lot, don't they? Because obviously, because they're in LA, they get a lot of celebrities going to games, and they get a lot of people in the booth, don't they? And a lot of people at intermission and stuff. So smart again, smart move, growing the game, smart move. And, and to be fair with this one, like at least Will Ferrell is a massive Kings fan, and he's been a Kings yeah. fan for a long time. I cannot. Oh, I, I don't want to ruin any. I don't want to say anything. But the, the only thing he said. He said, "Oh yeah, in intermission, somebody found a hot dog in Joe Thornton's beard." There was loads. Yeah, I think I know what I'm doing first thing at work tomorrow. They had a, they even had him sort of arriving by helicopter, going up in the lift, making his way to the booth, talking to all the camera people. He didn't arrive as Will Ferrell and then go to be. You know, he just arrived as Ron Burgundy, ready to go. It was just brilliant, just brilliant. That's that's it done properly. Get some yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and to be fair, like um, yeah, the Kings are out of the race now, so it's, you know that's a good way to keep fans coming back. Totally, totally. And as we said last week, grow the game, get famous people in, get them talking about hockey. It can only be a good thing. I want to start a new segment, Will, called Cheerelli Watch. <laughs> After it's, the it's, Teflon Don, like my favourite seg- segment <clears throat> already. Oh yeah, it's uh, phenomenal. The Teflon Don was spotted at a Blues game, sat with Doug Armstrong 
in the in the management booth. Let's it's good that um, it's good that Doug's so. giving his mate Pete something to do. Was he was he wearing like a bow tie <laughs> and a waistcoat and bringing in martinis all night? <laughs> I don't know, but <sighs> let's hope. Hashtag hire Chiarelli. What for, like a scout or, a, or an AGM or something? That... Dude, I don't Whatever. care if he's handing out peanuts. I don't care if he's handing out peanuts in the arena. Just get Chiarelli back in the league in a job. Because then at some point he can worm his way back up to being a GM of a team and we can have all our material back. I miss it so much. I miss him so much. I, I, I want to see him on uh, on the Blues fourth line over the night next year. <laughs> in like a really right, badly then. fitting Joffa helmet. Just, <laughs> just squatting how around. Many, how many points would uh, Chiarelli get playing next to McDavid <laughs> on his right wing? <laughs> at least as many as tries out. <laughs> And that's why Chile should get eaten half a million a year. <laughs> no, he's a very versatile guy. He's shown he can play all over the ice, all over the front office. It's true. He's really versatile. He's shown he can make mistakes in Edmonton. He can make mistakes in Boston. He can, he can do bad trades. He can have bad opinions. Bad contracts. Oh the the worst. Yes, he is. A, he's incredibly versatile. Is the old is a pistol Pete the old Teflon Don. What a man. This has happened. This has only happened this once. But if he if he at any point appears anywhere near another Blues game again, that's it. Because once is just oh, I was in the area. Me and Doug Armstrong have talked before. We're kind of friendly. He goes to a game. If it happens again, which I'm praying it does, it means there's something going on. There's something there. You can only, you can only hope. You can only, can only hope. hope. You know, yeah, there's another, uh, there's another famous Peter Chiarelli. Is that? Uh, Peter W. Chiarelli, a um, a former uh, vice chief of staff in the U.S. Army. Did Served... he ever do any bad trades one for one? <laughs> oh, his Wikipedia page is mostly controversies. Oh, God, this is fantastic. No, it's, it's not. I've, I've completely oversold that, sorry. Oh, uh, damn it's it. Not, it's not true at all. You motherfucker. Mate. mate. The Teflon Don played in a played for the Panthers. He played for a played for the Panthers. Oh yeah, I knew that. Oh, all right. Oh, sorry. Right. Sorry, dude. Fucking bastard. <laughs> well, that was just a letdown all around, then, wasn't it? To be honest. But, yeah, I, uh, I don't really want to talk to you anymore. Let's move on to Peter Trelli's former team, the Edmonton <laughs> Oilers, as the off-ice battle of Albertario between Edmonton and Ottawa rages on with both sides this week making sure they made the news to win the inaugural 2-bits-1-puck award for most dysfunctional team in hockey. We'll start in Edmonton. To be fair to Edmonton now, we do know why they've batted only 500 once since 89-90. We now know why they've only made the playoffs, I think, 12 out of the last 13 years. We now know why this team is terrible. We know why they wasted all those first-round picks. We know why they're wasting Conor McDavid. We know why they traded Larson Hall one for one. It's all Toby Reader's fault. And I'm just happy. I'm just happy that as I attended the season ticket holders event, that Bob Nicholson sort of laid down the law and made it clear to us that this was the big secret as to why this team had failed so miserably. It was all Toby Reader's fault. It's the sort of thing where like when you something's been staring you in the face for so long and it's yes. finally just pointed out to you, you're like, oh, how did I not see this? How could I have been so foolish? 
as to have not seen this, but it yeah just makes every last bit of sense, and I'm glad that we've gotten to the bottom of the uh, of the mystery. Really, quite frankly, he was talking. Bob Nicholson was talking at a season ticket holders event last week, and said. Toby Reader will not be signed by the Edmonton Oilers at the end of this year. <laughs> Toby Reader was a player that other teams wanted. He came here for one year because he wanted to play with Leon Dreisaitl, who he plays with on the German national team. He thought if he wasn't playing with Leon, he could play alongside Connor. He'd score 15 or 16 goals. And instead of making $2 million, he'd sign a four-year deal at $3.5 million or something like that. To single out one player like this in an organisation that is an absolute shit show is unbelievable. Toby Reader has not scored a single goal in 61 games so far, which isn't great. And as Bob Nicholson pointed out, he's missed too many breakaways. If Toby Reader had scored 10 or 12 goals, we'd probably be in the playoffs. Do you agree with that statement, Will? No. Because <laughs> it, it, yeah, uh, much to my chagrin, it's not a... Um... It's not a goals-focused league. Yeah, if the if the standings was purely on your goal, dif- goal difference, that'd be a different story. Yes, but it's not. Unfortunately, I feel like to pin your entire lost season on a player who makes two million dollars a year probably a little bit unfair. Maybe a little bit unfair. I, f- I Maybe feel a like bit, yeah. Yeah, I think quite a lot of stuff must have gone wrong for you to get to that point where Toby Reader is, uh, yeah, your entire season is relying on Toby Reader scoring 10 goals. I mean, he's given you 11 wonder, assists. Would would another 10 assists have done it? I wonder at what point he thought, he just woke up one day and went, oh, of course, it's that fuck Reader. It's all his fault. I knew it. Not the what, 10, 11 other guys who make more money than him? Or at least make close to what he makes? I'd, I mean, just if if Toby Reader had broken 20 points, say, this season, it'd have been a completely different story. But that 11 that Apparently he's sitting so. on right now is just, just unacceptable. Just unacceptable. Funny how, you know, we're not mentioning Milan Lucic, maybe. Um, I, I, I'm how many, glad... Do you know how many points he's got this year? <sighs> I don't actually. It's eighteen. That's good. Yeah, another seven points. <laughs> At least he's done. At least he's done most of it. <laughs> and eighteen points for six million a year, and for the next four years as well. That's good. That's good. Maybe that's why he's not being called out because because Bobby Nicholson's going to have to see him in the office again every few for a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point because everybody who makes more money than... To- oh my God, this is genius. Everybody who makes more money than Toby Reader will be back next year. Unless they get traded, but Austin McDavid, Dreisaitl, Lucic, RNH, Sam Gagne, Andre Sakara, Oscar Clefbaum, Adam Larson, Chris Russell, Darnell Nurse. They're all signed for, yeah, at least one more year, whereas Toby Reader's leaving. Dude, you might have broken that there. You might have broken the case. Bit of a coincidence, that, isn't it? But then, you know, why... I, th- I think it was Jeff Fayette who made the point on Twitter about how you know, he's he's gone from like a career average sort of nine percent shooting percentage to obviously zero this year, and then you know five years prior he's had sort of nines tens you know pretty decent league average sort of shooting percent. Toby Reader is not not Lucic. What are the chances? You know what percentage of players who have that sudden dip 
after a consistent shooting percentage, you know, go back to it and what percentage carry on. The vast majority revert back to being able to put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah. Bobby Nicholson has shot himself in the foot by absolutely burning the bridge, salting the earth, you know, bloody cutting himself off the iceberg uh, with Toby Reed, uh, where he could have got a very, very cheap player who's probably going to bounce back and score those beloved 10, 12, 14 goals that he's so sought after. Whereas now he's, he's you know, really just put a dagger through the heart of the Oilers and is saying, right, to, to UFAs everywhere, don't come here if you're a role player because I'm going to blame you if we don't make the playoffs. Not only that as well, but if Toby Reader goes somewhere next year and scores eight, nine goals, the, the narrative's just going to be, well, clearly he couldn't play at Edmonton because it's a fucking shit show. It's an absolute mess over there. I'm not surprised he didn't score any goals. No one's no. looking at Toby Reader and going, well, clearly you're just a terrible, terrible player. How dare you make fourth line $2 million money? You're, you're clearly to blame for this entire problem. He's going to go somewhere I'm next year for. and play well. I, I want to see Reader go somewhere next year, score, score your 9, 10 goals, make the playoffs of his team, and then have Bobby Nicholson say, see, I told you. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> if he'd have done that for us, we'd have made the playoffs. He scores one goal, and it's the game winner in the 82nd game. <laughs> and it takes his team to the playoffs. Idiot. And Bob's like, Fuck. I wanted you one goal. It was one goal, you motherfucker. That's all we needed. It was one I'll goal. I'll kill you, Toby Reader. <laughs> Foaming at the mouth. God, what a mess. What a mess that team is. I can't... Just, we say I say this all the time. Every week. There's something out of Edmonton or Ottawa that just makes you go, what are you doing? Who's running this fucking place? The the Oilers are, are such a badly run organisation. I, I don't know if you've seen this floating around this week, Dan, but I think I think it was Friedman that tweeted it out, but I couldn't find it earlier. An issue with Mike Gillis from like 2007 has, has resulted in Bobby Nicholson having to sort of overrule the rest of the front office to potentially give him an interview for the GM spot because the rest of the front office had like a grudge against him from bloody 12 years ago. <laughs> Have you seen that? Or? Fucking hell. I've not seen that Friedman tweet because I've been... I was busy, Will. What can I say? I was living the high life of work yeah. and then food shopping, unfortunately, to check yeah. Twitter. Fucking show. See how it is. I oh, know, sorry. Yeah. Look <laughs> at me, Mr. Mr. Hockey over here. Uh, yeah, I that would... That was... Um, Michael Nylander, he'd agreed to a contract with the Oilers and then the Oilers were ex- the Oilers sent him a contract and they were in the f- the Oilers were fully understood. God, who was the GM at the time? Probably Kevin Lowe, I want to say. I think it, yeah, because I was talking about Kevin yeah. Lowe in that tweet I saw. Yeah, yeah. So the Oilers send William uh, William Nylander, Christ. <laughs> Ugh, hey, maybe there's something in there. maybe there's something about Nylanders, I don't know. It's not November anymore, Dan. We're not talking about Nylanders no, yeah, sorry, in contract sorry. situations anymore. No, yeah. Uh, Michael Nylander was sent a contract from the Oilers and they were fully prepared on, yeah, it's coming back anytime now. Going to be great. Going to have him signed. All done. And then they found out the day, a day after, in the mid-afternoon, that he'd already entered into a long-term contract with the Caps. That Nylander just basically said, nah, fuck that. I'm going to go to Caps instead. And Mike Gillis obviously did. They think that Mike Gillis got the contract offer and then gone to the Caps and said, well, this is what the Oilers are offering him. If you want to go, you know, maybe go a bit more or something, you can. Uh, we we can go to you. A little bit awkward, that, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. 
And Maybe. I think the Oilers, I'm sure the Oilers looked at it legally as well. Because I'm sure they I'm sure they did. But I, I cannot remember if anything came of it. I don't think it did. That was what it was, that he'd basically gazumped them on his on a contract. Maybe they're still worried because that's still very much a, a real threat. But yeah, say you take the average player or executive and say, right, you can go to the Oilers or you can go to the Caps. Who uh, who do you fancy? That's still too much. Well, of yeah, a, that's true. Too much of a possibility, really. And they're worried about getting stung by by the maraudering Mike Gillis once again. It goes to show, though, doesn't it, how many of the people involved with the Oilers have been there for too long in that 12 years ago something happened and still now half of them are going, Mike Gillis, no fucking way, Mike Gillis. (laughs) You You do not say that name in these halls. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my God. Kill you, Mike Gillis. (laughs) I'll kill you, Mike Gillis. You gazumptors want on a contract. Just proves it all, doesn't it? Just proves the complete. Just proves the point completely. How um how inbred that specific organisation is, and the rest of the league as well. The thing is, though, like after twelve years, after twelve years of looking back on it, you would say, do you know what? He's an agent. They've got to be like that. That's the, like we've said. I want the shistiest shistery agent ever. I want a guy who's making secret deals because I because I want more money. I can wash my hands of it and go, well, that was my agent's job. That's not enough to do with me. I didn't, you know, whatever. If he wants to get into that kind of thing, that's up to him. I'm just trying to get a good deal. And you would just think if the people in the Oilers organization, if he was, the, if he interviews and he's the right guy, that they'd say, all right, yeah, that's because, you know, he was an agent. He was just, you know, that's what he wanted to do for his client. That makes sense. But instead, they're just like, ah, not Mike Gillis, no. Just sat making snowmen like Drew Dowie <laughs> on the ice. <laughs> Just if, freaking out. If, if anything, like it should be sort of, you know, a credit to Mike Gillis. Like you know, they've seen firsthand just how shady you can become for the sake yeah. of for the sake of victory. It's like it's that classic thing of like, God, you're a shady fuck, aren't you? Yeah, but don't you want me on your team instead? <laughs> Actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> I want you on my team. I want you doing this for me, not for someone else. It's like uh, hiring the uh, the bank robber to uh, to provide your bank security sort of thing exactly yeah it's like when the fbi hire people who've hacked into their system they just get the best hackers don't they that's what they do the fbi aren't recruiting guys out of fucking computer tech college in america no they're finding the guy who's hacked in past their 17 firewalls and, and like just stolen 10 million dollars and be like hang on a minute we should have this guy work for us that makes way more sense to refer to bob nicholson though he spoke to toby reader and apologized but i don't believe for one second he would have done if the story hadn't have come out you must agree with that, Will, surely? Uh, yeah, I think so. I reckon this is a case yeah. of Bobby Nix thought he was behind closed doors, probably even said at the start of his speech, don't you dare record this, at which point people <laughs> thought, oh, sounds like he's going to say something worth recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and then, now I know you all want to hear about our plans for the future, but may I just take 45 minutes to bash Toby <laughs> Reader? And uh, as can we, as can we turn the lights off, please? I've got a, I've got a PowerPoint presentation ready. <laughs> uh, the perils brought, of t- siding Toby Reader. I've brought a pinata uh, in, in effigy <laughs> to Toby Reader, and I'm quite literally going to bash him for the next half an hour. Thank you very much for attending my TED talk. <laughs> effigy, <laughs> step fire to it. <laughs> oh God! Jumping up and down, like, fuck you, Toby. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, that's the reader conference finished. Where's my Mike Gillis presentation? Oh, here it is. <laughs> no! <laughs> i got to ask this. I, I don't know if you saw it or not. There was an unbelievable article. This is more Royal stuff, by the way. An unbelievable article on Sportsnet about who, but what the players or the management think the problem is with Edmonton. Did you did you read this article by any chance? No, I, I didn't. Right after the, who did they lose to? It wasn't the Devils. It was someone else. Oh, it was the Sens. It was the Sens. They lose to the Sens, and they say to Hitch, "Where do you think the problem is? What's going on? You know, this is." Legitimately, you know, this is a, a bad hockey team you're losing to. You've got Conor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Randy J. Hopkins. You know, you should have all these players. You should be great. What's happening? So Hitch says, we're just not quick enough. I mean, the problem is absolutely foot speed. For some reason, we're slow. We just couldn't keep up with these guys. They then go to Alex Chierson and say, what's the problem? And he says, do you know what it is? We're just not playing well against other teams who are lower down. We're just... You know, that's definitely the problem. We just we, When there's other teams battling, we just can't seem to play well against them. They go to Milan Lucic, what's the problem? And he says, we're just not very good at home, are we? We just, we just, the problem's definitely us playing at home. We can't play at home. If this is a case of the right-handers know what the left-handers doing, fucking hell. Is it foot speed? No. Is it the home problem? No. Is it playing with the lower teams? No. It could be a billion things. Like, none of them know what's going on. It's unbelievable. I think the thing with that, Dan, is not that it could be a billion things, it's that it is a billion things. And that's just been, a billion things. been pointed out by the fact that if you'd have asked every single member of that team that have said something else, and it would, it would have all been relevant, would have all made sense. But no, nobody's got the nuts to just, you know, surmise it in. It's not very good, are we? It's not a particularly good team. No one's got the cojones to say this organisation's an absolute joke and it's being run terribly from top to bottom and we, the players and the fans, suffer because of it. That is, that's, that's the sense you need. That's all you need. Someone, uh, someone sort of snipped that up and sent it to Bobby Nix. Let's make sure he's listening. Yeah, exactly. Someone else causing problems this week, as we mentioned before, our good friend, the vampire himself, the organ harvester. Eugene Melnick. I don't know if I'd say good friend. I'm not. Oh, he's a, I kind of want to keep him at an arm's length, really. I suppose. No, because he might take that arm off you and <laughs> attach it to himself somewhere. <laughs> two, two arms lengths then, so that he can't even reach my arm. Yeah, he he went on Ottawa Radio and had some choice words. He was talking about the team, talking about the rebuild, and he also spoke about the mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson. He had a very clearly, without saying the name, attack on Ian Mendez, a local radio host. Yeah. He also talked about Pierre, and he also talked about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ooh. I will get into... What should we start with? We'll start with the Libret and Flat thing, because that's the most boring thing. But clearly annoyed that the Libret and Flats project was done and wasn't going to get sort of greenlit or anything now. And... The mayor seemed to blame the hard feelings and what he said was Malnick's desire to get public money. And Jim Watson said, I was always very clear to Eugene there'll be no tax dollars going into an arena. And Eugene's not happy about that. I wonder why. But I don't have a mandate to go out. He didn't say that, but that's me saying that bit. But I don't have a mandate to go out and put property tax dollars into building an NHL arena. And then he said, I don't take my marching orders from Eugene Melnick. Which is a bit of a flex, but I kind of... I kind of like that. 
I mean, Nordic as a, said, oh, as well, a public sorry. officially sort of does in a way, some indirectly. <laughs> indirectly, maybe, yeah. Not a bad point, I suppose. With Jim Watson being so critical and outspoken, Eugene said, He's so lucky that I keep my mouth shut. I'd be very careful if I was him, walking around mouthing off because it's counterproductive. I am trying to do everything for this city, and with him opening up like that, the NHL officers will look at it and say, Hey, do we really want to bring more events to this city? He's. <laughs> I mean, he's just. Oh, mate. Yes, Eugene. The, the problem with the NHL and Ottawa is the mayor. <laughs> that's that's the problem. How, how is, then, how what, is Melnick, what, like, it, at the same time, the city of Ottawa's biggest fan and biggest detractor? <laughs> I don't know. It's like he loves the th- he hates the thing that he loves, and he loves the thing that's killing him. <laughs> he just he can't he can't stop himself. He's... But then Watson, with an all-time just power sentence, said, "Eugene says a lot of things. I'll let him run his hockey team, and I'll continue to run the city." Boom. That was nice. He's... That was nice. He's you know, he just chucked a li- a little in there, and his little hockey team. His little hockey team. Yeah, that's the only way it could have been any any more. Cutting and biting from uh, from what's in there. That's uh, that's how you deal with bullies: biometric bullies, biomechanical bullies. <laughs> Malnick said he was, and this was something else that Malnick said about this. He said he was focusing right now on keeping the sends at the Canadian Tire Centre, adding that there are plans to expand the building and change how the drivers exit the parking lots. Important stuff, thinking, aren't there? Yeah, like jetpacks, helicopters. Like, <laughs> what's the plan? They're going to exit how they always exit, in a car, on a road. I don't know. As, as quickly maybe as Eugene's possible. Gonna, yeah, maybe Eugene's going to build a new highway or something. I, I don't know. I don't know, but changing how drivers exit the parking lots. God knows what he's talking about. I, I was under he the also, impression that it was so out in the uh, in the sticks that like traffic shouldn't be too much of an issue. Leaving, at the very least. Maybe when you get back towards the city, but... Yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? The issue is it's bloody miles away. And the, it's nowhere near downtown. So you would think, well, it takes a long... Maybe that's why it takes long to get there. Maybe it's the one bad road. Maybe it's a country road to get there. It's, it's a single lane <laughs> to get in and out of the bloody Canadian Tire Centre. There's always, there's always tractors coming the other way and stuff. You're like, oh, God damn it. Must be lambing season. It's what just, are you doing out at 11 o'clock at night with your hay bales? <laughs> yeah. Melnick also said that there was... He, he should have had a, a sort of dig at those fans who'd obviously done the Melnick out billboards saying some of the fan base are not real fans and they're only doing it because they've got nothing else to do, which is <laughs> just fabulous. It's beautiful, isn't it? Got nothing else yep. going on. Couple that with all the uh, all the Twitter bots as well. Yeah. We mentioned we mentioned those a while ago, didn't we? That there were there was people setting up Twitter accounts in support of Eugene Melnick and the Senators replying to people and they had all these made up names and weird names and the sentences didn't make like the sentences didn't make any sense did they if you read them properly <laughs> like it's just it's where they're all so obviously bots yeah all the names are like senspan 444 209 <laughs> and like the pictures of the Ottawa senators it's just like <laughs> mate what is what is even happening here this is just ludicrousness and then underneath Sens fan four forty nine two oh eight writes, I agree. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> but with one E. 
<laughs> just just going up one number at a time. <laughs> oh dear. He said he ignored ninety nine percent of the fans on social media. He said that. There's, to be fair, he did say, "Yeah, there's no question the fans are pissed." He said, and we did a terrible job communicating exactly what the plan was on a rebuild, which is very, very true. This was where I started to change a little bit. And I thought, he made a good point. He said that we need a team that's consistently young. We need a handful of veterans to take them through to some of the rough patches. But our average age, two years from now, is going to be 23, 24. And we're hoping to have a five or six year run with these players. He said he didn't want to get into a situation where they were paying guys now who were 28, 29, 30 to still be with the team when, we're, when they're 35, 36, 37, which is something we have mentioned. I mean, we do talk about that. That is pretty and he said it's a, to be fair. Yeah. Obviously, the outlier on that is Mark Stone. But I can only imagine that maybe Mark Stone just was said, I'm just, I don't want to be here. Just let me go. And they're just going, oh, fuck it, all right then. If you don't want to be here, then we're not going to fucking keep you, sod it. Because he is the guy you would like say, okay, this is our guy. He's going to be the cornerstone. He's amazing. Let's build around him. But I just think, yeah, he just I just don't think he wanted to stay, to be honest. It's, it just does stink, stink a little bit of, uh, well, you know what, Mark? You're too old anyway. You're fucking washed <laughs> up. <laughs> it's true. And he made another, he made another good point. He said... In this case, it's extremely rare for a team to say everyone's out and we're starting again. And that's, they have done that completely, haven't they? I mean, this team is, like you, you mentioned the other week, that that photograph, the, the team picture, where pretty much 80% of the team is now wearing a different uniform in the team picture. And it's obviously a joke picture because it's saying, look how many people have left this team. But they are literally rebuilding like nearly every single part of this team, aren't they? I, th- I think the problem with seeing that in a good light is the fact that a lot of those players haven't left through through the Senators' mm-hmm. choice. It's through them either not being good enough to play in the NHL anymore or choosing other teams to play for rather than the Senators. It's, it's true. You know, getting rid of players is only half, if not less than half, of the work in the rebuild. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. It's about what you get back for those players, and if those players are of such little value that they just drop out of the league without signing another contract or don't bring anything worth worth any value back in trades, then that's not a good rebuild just because you've gotten rid of all the players. Yeah, he mentioned that this he's got he believes there are ten outstanding prospects in Belleville, plus seventeen draft picks in the first three rounds of the next three drafts. And he did put a bit of pressure on Pierre saying the next six months are going to be very, very important for Pierre. And they're advertising a director of hockey ops, aren't they, as well? He says he says to help out, which is an interesting choice of words. Yeah, to help out, usher in the next stage of, uh, of the post-Dorian sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, post-Dorian always Melnick sense. It's a, it's a perfect opportunity to combine our two favourite things in the Teflon Don and the uh, Senators. That's an excellent point. He said that the rebuild, you've got to be tough. It's a five-year plan. If you don't do it that way, all you're doing is patching it up. I know a team that you know that's done it for 53 years. They've been selling out, but all they do is patch up. 
Finally, they collapse a team and say, hey, look, we've got a rebuild, but mistakes were made and somebody forgot about defence. <laughs> Oof. There it is. Oh, mate. Pat- there is. Pat- to be right. fair, to be fair, he's kind of not wrong. <laughs> I mean... If you take... If you take, right? If you take the last... Since the Leafs had a last half-good playoff run, which I think was 03-04, the Sens have been to a conference semi-final, a conference final, and a Stanley Cup final. So if you're talking recent history, he's not wrong. You but know? they're recent, recent history. And the problem is, like the Maple Leafs don't have an incredible defence, but that's in part because they've got an incredible offence, at least through the draft. You know, they've taken very good offensive players where, you know, to an extent they could have decided, right, let's let's take D because we haven't got many D coming through and then scuppered their rebuild full stop. They could have ended up with neither. Instead they've, you know, made the right decision and gone for, for offence. And they do have a couple of decent D prospects coming through, like Rasmus Sandin is is gonna be a player. Um Timothy Lilligren, if he uh, if he gets it all together he could be a really good player. They're not sort of without D prospects. Like the centres are sitting at a point where they've got neither, and uh, at least at least the Leafs have uh, have have some good young offense. Here's a question, and I feel I feel you might just think this is just a ridiculous question, but would you rather be in the Leafs position where you've got Manus contract coming up, and I think Kapanen and Jake Gordon is going to need a new one? What um. Andreas Johnson. Andreas Johnson, that was it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Would you rather be in that situation, trying to fit those players in? Knowing that what we think about Marner is that he's going to want big pay and committing so much to those offensive players. Or would you rather be in a sense situation where you've got a complete blank slate to essentially start again with a couple of really good prospects? As we mentioned, the with the Mark Stone trade, they got Eric Branstrom back and people were like, holy shit. Like that's a really good pickup for the Sens, and you're thinking maybe they're doing, maybe they are kind of on the right road to something. I I see where you're coming from because like being, you know, having a blank slate to work with is is a dream, as as George McPhee only knows. Mm. But for me, if you're the Sens right now, mediocre D or otherwise, you're hoping that. The draft, the seventeen draft picks you have in the next, three, you know, top three rounds in the next three years, are going to turn into players of the caliber that the Leafs already have. Like your hope is, you end up in the Leafs' position. That's not a guarantee. Whereas the Leafs are very much in their position that they are. Turn that into English, but you know what I mean. Like I know what you mean. Do you know? What we, do you know? What we, do you know? What we talked about before though, like you know, the the perception of what's going on. If the Leafs are in the same position they are now in five years, the fans will still be furious. But if the Sens are in this position in five years, their fans will be over the moon. Yeah, very true. Very true. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, like, from... if this, if this, like even if even this season, the Sens season is done. All the jokes are there about the, you know the Colorado going to get the first overall pick, and maybe they won't. But whatever, it's it's all there. If the Leafs go out in the first round to Boston this year, it's going to be. That leaves Twitter and all that social media is going to be an absolute fire. It's going to be an absolute fire. And you would think, 
And then you've got, obviously, then the Mana contract coming up. And the, the Nylander contract now isn't looking like it's... Obviously not this season, but, I mean, Christ, who knows? Maybe, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen in the playoffs. It's, you know, to say they're going to go out to Boston already is ridiculous. And I'm... Christ, I wish Boston fans would just shut their... Fu- wishful thinking for me, but I wish they'd just shut their fucking mouth. Like, oh, bring on the Leafs in the first round. I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? It's hockey. If the Leafs win 4-0... Are we going to be totally, totally amazed? Yeah, we'd be surprised, but it's hockey. Anything can happen in hockey. But, like I say, the Leafs go out in the first round this year to Boston. Man, it's going to be an absolute fucking disaster area around there. And then fans are going to be so fucking pissed. They're going to be so pissed. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the Sens are now sat there looking at like, hang on a minute, we're at a grand zero here. We're literally the lowest point we could go. Probably win the draft lottery for another team, but... We've now got all these picks, all these young guys. Let's go. Let's get that mentality going that the whole world's against us and let's see what we can do. You, you make a good point in that from like a sort of ego or career progression point of view, you'd want to take the Sens job because it's going to be yeah. the coldest seat in the house for, for, like you say, another five years, really. But I think from available assets... Yeah, you're sitting with the sense thinking, oh, I hope my draft picks turn into a Martin Matthews and the sort of thing. Whereas in, yeah. in Toronto, you've, you've already got that. So it depends on what you're what you're looking for from like a, an actual team-building perspective or, or a career-building perspective. You're going to end up with a different answer. Very true, very true. I just think it's interesting now. I can't remember this. I Probably because I've had like four or five concussions of it undiagnosed. But yeah, I, I can't remember. Maybe when... Maybe when uh, McPhee was at the Caps and they decided to sort of do a fire sale and trade everybody then and try and start again but it's been a long time since the team has just said you know what let's get rid of everybody let's just do away with everything let's try and get rid of every single player on this team who's aware of all the issues that this team has had <laughs> and let's just try and start from nothing and go from there let's go scorched earth sort of thing yeah alright then here's a question who gets who gets to a conference final first the Leafs or the Sens? I've got to say the Leafs. I've got. I'd be. Can you imagine? Say it. Can you imagine? But this is the thing, though. You commit like, God, whatever. You commit like eleven million to Marner this off season, or even ten and a half, ten million or something. And you got to commit money to Kaepernick. Commit money to like Andreas Johnson. Where's this defense going to come from? Where's this goaltending going to come from? They're just riding Fred Anderson into the ground again. And it's got to this point of the season. And they're just leaking goals again. And Fred Anderson's just been hung out to dry. It's it's going to be a good test of of whether um, Dubas can do his best Stan Bowman impression. And turn his well-drafted talent into cheaper talent or draft picks and then just keep the machine sort of perpetuating until they have that success. You know, fortunately for Stan Bowen, they had a relatively quick turnaround for the success. We'll 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 have to see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with these Leafs, because like you say, they're at they're at sort of a bit of a a teetering point or a very critical moment in their rebuild and their their uh, progression into a into an elite team. So it's going to be really really interesting to see how those contracts and then subsequently the assets themselves are actually handled over the next few years. Absolutely. Melnick did say if they get superstars along, Melnick said he's going to pay these superstars if they come along. He's not afraid to spend the money, which, again, you wouldn't think so looking at what happened last time. But as I said, maybe he's the smartest guy in the room. 
Maybe he's looking at Eric Carlson thinking, do I really want to keep this guy? He's had injuries. He's 30. I'm sure someone else will give him eight years. I don't want to be paying this guy $8 million when he's 36. I mean, <laughs> fucking hell. Every week something happens where you're like, GMs are just idiots. And then the week after you think, God, that's why they make that money. They're so clever. <laughs> it's Eugene and he, he gets a bit of a crazy rap, but maybe I'm starting to turn the corner on him slightly. Just just slightly. Maybe there's some some sort of wisdom behind the eyes of crazy old Eugene. Yeah, maybe, maybe. He did, uh, as I mentioned, he did take a swipe at the Ottawa media saying, everyone has an opinion, sometimes it's ill-informed. I don't like some of the tactics of a couple of colleagues. He just said he won't try. He's just not going to talk to them anymore. He said they tried to ambush uh, Pierre Doran in an interview. The quote was, this, this is an amazing quote. That's, he was talking about Ian Mendes, which everyone kind of got to in the end and realized that's who he was talking about. But he said, that's Bush League stuff. You do that in little towns in the middle of nowhere, not in a G7 capital. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> That's, that's powerful. That's he's taking a taking a sort of leaf out of the mayor's book with that one. Yeah. I wonder if that's what Eugene thinks. He doesn't think I run the Ottawa Senators. He thinks I run the hockey team of one of a G of a G seven capital. That's what he, he thinks. He's a he's a major player on the world political stage. Yeah, absolutely. So there we go. Busy week for Eugene. Some fantastic quotes. And just maybe, just maybe, at least this side of two bits one pocket starts to turn the corner on Eugene a little bit. Time will tell, Dan. We'll uh, we'll see. I, th- I think the door's still open a crack for for Eugene to finally pull his, his greatest trick of all, which was to to trick the public that he was in fact a fool when he's been the smartest man in the room the whole time. But I'm uh, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say he's still a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm 99% with you, but before I was 100%. <laughs> that, that 1% is all, all Eugene needs to get into your heart. It is. It's like, a, it's like a tiny drop of honey in a pint of beer or something, or something waxy on something foamy, and that little bit of wax just destroys the foam completely. That 1%'s now bled into my brain, and my brain's now going, yeah, but maybe. <laughs> and I'm like, no, don't think it, don't think it. Next time we speak, you're going to be wearing a, um, a Thomas Shabbat. Senator's jersey. <laughs> yeah, but like Eugene, it's from like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> With the old Reebok logos and, and the yeah. V-neck. And I've got to have my business suit on underneath just to go <laughs> just to go for Eugene. Do you, do you not already? No. Dude, I don't even wear a suit for work properly. <laughs> and I'm meant to wear a suit. I just don't. All right. Another new segment, Will. We're going to call this segment Holy Fuck, What a Goal That Was. There was two this week that... I mean, there's probably loads more, but again, I'm not paid to cover this sport. I can only I can only see as much as I can see before I fall asleep or my daughter wants me to do something with her. Braden Shen, sort of on one skate, reversed behind his leg. Unbelievable. And then Kyle Connor's goal against the Preds, where he just undresses PK Subban like he's a three-month-old, ready to get his nappy changed. Both on one skate, which was where the link was. Just absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Great stuff got, from both guys. You've got to have that balance, kids. If you uh, if you can't balance on your on your one foot, then you're going to be going to be useless in this league. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's round things off before man versus coin flip with something that Will sent me today, which was I think I found people more boring than NHLers, and I said who? So Will, who do you think are more boring than NHL players? 
Uh, I think Olympic athletes are more boring than AHLers, specifically British Olympic athletes. Okay, uh, and, and why did you why did you base this what did you base this opinion on? Well, it's it's, it's been years of passively collecting data on these uh, on these boring, <laughs> boring ass athletes. It's, it's not In your so war room. It, yeah, yeah. Just just been slowly gathering it all together, putting it in my filing cabinets. But it was really spurred on by um, the Comet Relief edition of the Great British Bake Off, the Stand Up to Cancer Bake Off, where um, Katerina Johnson Thompson, was it as boring name as it is, was on uh, was on the Stand Up to Cancer Bake Off, and it, she was just such a stereotype. And that's the problem with these Olympic athletes; they're all so just predictable and stereotypical. They've all got the five rings tattoo. They're all just very plain. Like, you know, for example, Katerina, all the two um, bakes that she, she was allowed to put some flair onto that she could prepare for were both Olympic-themed. She did bloody gold medal shortbreads and then she did her doing the long jump in a cake. And it's just like, you, like you're just the most boring monotonous thing I've ever seen and a lot of other Olympic athletes are exactly the same so they're more boring than AHL players Dan see this is interesting because I also have some stats that I've I told you do not look for anything about Olympic athletes being boring or anything like that I've got some stats that are going to blow your mind and some quotes that are going to blow your mind Will Will do you know the Summer Olympics in Rio Brazil uh, 2016 how many yeah do you know how many condoms were available for free to athletes for that one for that one month? Is it even a month anymore? Is it like three weeks, three and a half weeks? That period of time. Do you know how many condoms were available? This the the, the general normal style male sleeping bag, shall we say? See Put now the the tactic now is I'm going to throw a massive number out there to make whatever yeah. is true. Um, and Do you know what, actually, yeah. Stat. Don't guess that. Five if you million say, condoms. Yeah. <laughs> Is it 23 billion? No. 350,000. Oh, that's, that's a few. Isn't that quite a few? On top of that, Will, 100,000 female condoms. That's very progressive. And on top of that, this is the one, Will. This is the stat. They're dropping out. 100... A hundred and seventy-five thousand packets of lube. <laughs> all, all I would say to counteract that, Dan, is that fornicating in itself does not make you not boring. If if anything, uh, fornicating makes you even more boring because everybody does that. That's a pretty standard aspect of life that you're engaging in there, which further supports my fact that they are the most plain Jane of all athletes. Just. Give me a second here. Let me just get the dates for the Rio Olympics. Let's have a look. I, I understand what you're trying to say, is that just saying people having sex isn't boring. I understand that. 350,000 condoms for a 16-day period. 16 days, Will. Then, then 175,000 packets of lube for 16 days. But that's, that, there's a lot of variables that you're leaving out there, Dan. How many athletes were there? How big are these packets of lubricant? Dude, 
For 350,000 condoms, right? If there was 50,000 athletes, which there isn't, that's seven. That's seven per athlete. What, over 16 days? That's not even once every two days, Dan. <laughs> okay, Soz. Soz, Mr. fucking Lothario. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, if you're a Rio de Janeiro and you're an, you're an international oh, fucking athlete... Billy, fucking Billy Big Numbers over here, apparently. <laughs> So, so, so your your argument for Olympic athletes not being boring is that they have an average amount of sex. No, that, the That's point nice. is, it's clearly not. It's clearly not enough condoms to last one every other day, is it? It's a ridiculous amount. That's a ridiculous amount of condoms and lube. One hundred seventy-five thousand packets. I I have I have some quotes as well. Oh God, go the. So, women's swimmer, Summer Sanders, who won two gold medals, said the second Olympic motto is, what happens in the village stays in the village, like it's a stag party or something, or a hen weekend, or fucking Vegas. BMX biker Jill Kintner said, people just leave doors open, so you look and see everything going on. You will see men in thongs running circles around each other. Plenty of gay loving going on. Fantastic. That's what, that's what we like to hear. Hope Solo of yeah okay let's yeah alright leave that there that's fine tell me more said said there's people on the grass outside the buildings in between buildings people everywhere just get down and dirty and I've read I've read reports before that it's essentially the only two things that happen at the Olympics are winning gold medals and fucking that's all that goes on and relationships have ended relationships have started it's just an absolute sex fest, my, dude. My, my that's not boring. To to bring you back to my original point that they are, yeah, I didn't say that they are boring. Full stop. I said that they're more boring than NHL hockey players. And the stat that I will counteract you with is for Edmonton Oilers training camp this past season. <laughs> God, they brought in a whopping. 600,000 uh, condoms, uh, all of which were specifically for Leo Dreisaitl. So, um, <laughs> there you go. Do you know what? I've just found the number of how many condoms it is per person. <laughs> Shit. Gone. Go for a 16-day period, it's 42 <laughs> per person. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's three a day. <laughs> oh, mate. I feel like we have to, we have to sort of remember our roots oh as a as a as a very British um, hockey podcast, and I must say, that's a lot of fucking shagging, isn't it? Isn't that a lot of shagging? That's a lot of shagging. Forty-two. I'm oh, sorry, no, that's two and a half, two and a half condoms a day. Two and a half shags a day. Two and a half shags a day. Fucking hell! And you think That's you've ridiculous. Got, you've you've probably now. I'd like to know the splits on that. Like, are, are oh my god! Yes, I was just going to say because clearly you can't do it before a race. Well, this is it. Are most of those condoms being used by people who go out in the heats? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're just sitting around for like fifteen days. You've done one tat long jump. You're like. Ugh. There's always do. the events on the first day. There's always the events on the first day. Oh, and. 
China's blah 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 won gold in the pistol shooting and she's like that's it I'm gonna get fucking dicked <laughs> I've done it first day yeah. I'm out see you later I'm done I've got my gold medal I'm off to find fucking loads of cock <laughs> get me one milk crate full of fairy doms let's get on let's get on it just put a sign outside the door <laughs> just dick this way <laughs> oh mate exactly because I mean, if, if you're race, if you're racing at night you can't be having sex in the afternoon, can you? You need that energy. I'm so sure, like like Usain Bolt or something, you finish 100 meters at 10 o'clock. You can probably squeeze. You can probably squeeze one in before the night's out after you've done all your press and shit. And then the next day, you've got to cram in like four or five. <laughs> you have to. It's in your. It's in your. <laughs> you've got it. You got it. You can't just leave all those condoms lying around, Will. It's a. It's a PR disaster. We're trying to save the planet, you know. It's going to get used. <laughs> you don't. Uh, you don't... You don't want to, you don't want to fish in an Olympic branded condom washing up on fucking Rio de Janeiro's beach. It's just a mound of Olympic condoms in the ocean somewhere that's been flushed down. It's just like the, it's like the size of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! We uh, that's we can't open this this whale found dead on the on the beach of Sao Paulo. <laughs> <laughs> In his stomach were four tons of Olympic ring branded condoms. <laughs> he couldn't breathe. He went down to just like fifty condoms just got sucked into his blowhole. <laughs> he couldn't go back up. He just he died. Oh my, oh god. my god. Forty-two condoms per athlete. That's insane. That means that's twenty-one twenty-one packets of <laughs> twenty-one packets of lube per athlete. What the fuck? How, um... It's good to know that the Olympics are still firmly rooted in their ancient Greek roots. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, how many many orgies must there be at the Olympics? Fucking hell. I couldn't... I couldn't say that. God. I couldn't say. Here's the thing, though, right? Here's the thing, though, right? There must have been... Because there must have been a precedent for them to think... How many condoms do we need? Don't know about ten thousand. Ten thousand? Are you mad? Do you know what happened last time? We need at least half a million. <laughs> like, <laughs> God, it's got to be. It's got to have been some year in like the seventies or eighties or something where like loads of loads of athletes got pregnant or got STDs. I was gonna say, yeah, you know it. Just like loads of just like problems, like fucking maternity cases, <laughs> like all kinds of stuff going on. Because <laughs> there was one Olympics where they had no condoms and it was just rampant. And they all went crazy. Oh my god, that's mad. I'm, <laughs> isn't, I'm glad we covered this. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Totally. That was hilarious. <laughs> just think about that massive, ma- the island of condoms in the Pacific. It's just, oh god. All right, I'm trying to destroy myself here. Ah, oh, man versus coin flip. Will. What's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? Call it. Yes. Unfortunately, unfortunately, with I think one week left, two weeks left. Yeah, ten ten day. We're almost on April, so not yeah. ten days yes. so. Yeah, so this is this will be the second to last chance you have, as you are now a point down. I, I can bring it back. I can bring it back. You absolutely can, you absolutely can. The first game though, as we said, we we talked about it last week. 
Six pointers at this time of the season. An absolute six pointer tonight. Canadians Blue Jackets. I've got to go with the Blue Jackets just in the hopes that they uh, that they get it done for uh, for the sake of trades around the world. Yeah, for the sake of shaking things up and trying to do something different. Red Wings Devils. Oh, mate, like, does it matter? Red Wings. <laughs> There's a joke on, I'll quickly say this, there's a joke on Frasier where he takes a call and he's not interested and he says, do you know there's a microscope at a university in America that's so powerful, it can zoom in so far, it can detect the infinitesimal, tiniest parts of life, the very building blocks that makes our whole creation and our whole universe work. If I had that microscope right now, I couldn't locate my interest in this game. (laughs) <laughs> I just feel like it's just that's so perfect. Another six pointer. I have coyotes. Ooh, that is that is a tight one. And you're taking interest in this one, obviously, a lot more. Absolutely. Um, if there was a way for that to be postponed until the end, like you know, so long that they never play it, that'd be really useful. Yeah. Um, but I, I've my heart has said abs for some reason, even though it really wants the coyotes to win. So I'm going to go abs. Okay, lightning capitals. That's, that's, that's a heavyweight bout if ever there's been one um, it's got to be the Lightning isn't it if you're betting against the Lightning at this point in the year you're just stupid yeah I think if, if they win out they'll equal the record won't they, for most points in a season oh really it comes down to that game yeah they, if they win out they'll do it they'll have 132 points which in the salary cap era is fucking insane just, just ridiculous absolutely absolutely stupid. insane the salary cap's here for this reason it's to stop teams doing things like this. <laughs> it's a, we we want everyone like, to ah, finish with 96 points and we've all yeah. had a really good time. Exactly. And then last game, the faltering San Jose Sharks playing Vegas. I mean, you've you've already laid out uh, what's going to happen for me. You know, the, the, the Sharks are on a bit of a skid. You know, they're worried about playing Vegas. Um, you know, they think they're going to lose to Vegas as a... As, as was evident last year. I've got to go with the Sharks, haven't I? Dude, I swear to God, I'd already typed in Sharks. It's, it's I swear to God. It's going to happen. I knew, yeah. I, that's what happens. It's like those football bets you put on where a team loses six and they're only thinking, well, they're, they're going to lose again, clearly. No, they win. No, of course they're, they're going to beat the Knights. That's just how it happens. I'm, I'm with you completely. I'm with you completely. Of course the Sharks are going to win that game. But now that I've said oh, it, dear. Vegas are going to win. So um, yeah. well, I can just have that on record as well that I'm right either way. No problem, no problem. Okie dokie. Cheers, folks. Man, that was a fun show. Thank you for listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. I am at Dan Straight Edge. Well, you are at W E V E V E R E T T. And at Tubits One Puck, number two, number one. Will, any last words? Uh, I've got nothing for you. It's very, very late in the day here uh, here in sunny Norwich. So, um, yeah, peace out. Take care, folks. You Olympic folk, stop fucking so much. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.